good. What's good is Carrie Wood at C Wood on Sports on Twitter and IG. That's where you can find me. And this is Ball About the South. It's my new podcast. And it's just like it sounds. Quite simply, it's sports talk with Southern flavor. And I'm just glad that you took a few minutes out of your daily schedule, your busy schedule, to join me for a little weeks for a little bit and talk some sports, talk some uh NFL, some college football today, mostly college football, as we are in full swing with the college football season 2021. It's just really great to have uh, the games back, man. It's really good. Really saw some good stuff over the weekend. Saw some bad stuff over the weekend as well. But, uh, you know, hey, that's kind of the way it goes. But, yes, I'm just really glad that you took a part, took a chance to um, take a look, take a listen to me. I hope that you will uh, like, subscribe, all those good things on whatever platform you're listening to the uh, podcast on. And uh, I would like Ball About the South to be a regular part of your listening on a weekly basis uh, and however you do it. And I uh, really just want to thank you very much. Please, uh, again, my I, my handle is at Seawood on sports on Twitter and IG. So if uh, anything you like about the show, you want to comment to me, that's fine. Anything you want to talk about as far as the uh, sports, the content that I'm going to bring to you. Uh, you disagree, you agree, doesn't matter with me, let me know about it. I'd really like to start some really good conversation about all the content that I'm going to put here on Ball About the South. All right, let's get started with it. Basically, I'm going to come to you, especially in the football season, I'm going to come twice with a couple shows of uh, the first early show, like around Monday or Tuesday, and then one that would be a kind of a recap show like today, and then later in the week, Thursday, Friday, somewhere in there, I'll come back and we'll talk about, you know, previewing the upcoming games of the weekend, things like that, and of course, we'll add the NFL as well. We're going to talk a lot of NFL here. Uh, Obviously, we're going to focus in on teams like the Titans, the Falcons, the Saints, uh, being in my local area. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, kind of right in the heart of SEC country. So we're going to talk about most of those teams. We're going to talk um, you know, a lot of NBA when that comes up, the Grizzlies, the uh, the Hawks, the Pelicans. So they will be obviously the teams we'll focus on, but we'll talk about all the teams in both of their divisions as we go forward as well. So I think that will be something that you can look forward to here on Ball About the South. We'll also talk some Major League Baseball, basically the Braves and the Rays. Those two teams are get, coming down to the last month of their season. And uh, both teams are looking at going, getting to the playoffs again. And hopefully for both of those teams, they'll go a little bit further than they went last season. Uh, the Braves, of course, blowing that three games to one lead against the Dodgers. Uh, we'll see if they can get back to the playoffs this year. They're having a little bit tougher time uh, in, the, in the NL East. Uh, of course, missing Ronald Acuna Jr., who went to that, who went down to that ACL injury. Um, they've done quite well since then, so we'll see how that goes. And then, of course, Tampa Bay losing to the Dodgers as well in the World Series. They lost to the Dodgers in six games. Obviously, Tampa Bay would love to get back to the World Series and try that again as well. So, yeah, we're going to talk baseball as um, the the season comes to a close. But right now, we're going to kind of focus on football. Um, Today's show, we're going to focus on college football. Of course, we'll get into some NFL later this week as 
uh, kickoff for the NFL regular season comes up later in the week, Thursday night, Tampa Bay uh, hosting the Dallas Cowboys. That is going to be an, an interesting game, to say the least. Dak Prescott will be uh, in uniform for the Cowboys. At least that's the reports that we're hearing. So that game becomes a lot more appealing with Prescott in the game. A former Mississippi State quarterback coming back off of injury from last season. So that should be exciting. And then we'll get into some of the games coming up across the over the weekend and on Monday night as well. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a preview show later in the week on both the AFC South and NFC South and kind of give you my perspective on what to look for in the 2021 season. Uh, basically, on this show, we're going to get into um, – more of a look at uh, early in the show, at least we're going to look at some of the top five storylines from the weekend. Uh, there was a lot going on, obviously, in college football. We're going to basically focus around that. And the first storyline that I kind of looked at, LSU. <laughs> Not a good look for the Tigers going out to the Rose Bowl for the very first time. Uh, not a good look at all. They get uh, handled pretty pretty good by UCLA in that football game. UCLA may be a little bit better than we thought. That, you know, I, I did not give a lot of credit to them uh, for beating Hawaii last week. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's Hawaii, okay? But uh, they really looked apart the other night. They looked faster in a lot of ways than, than LSU. They kind of pushed LSU around on the line of scrimmage. That was not, that was quite surprising to a degree. But I, I will say the one thing that we look forward to, we wanted to see from LSU, actually two things. The main two things we wanted to see from LSU, we wanted to see the defense improve. We wanted to see their tackling angles improve. We wanted to see the tackling itself improve. We wanted to see some of their coverage, the coverages in the, in the secondary improve. We didn't see any of that Saturday night. UCLA exposed all of that again. Uh, we also wanted to see a better run game from LSU. We did not see that either. Uh, Max Johnson had, you know, when you look at his numbers, pretty good numbers, threw the ball 46 times, threw the ball 27 times in the first half. That was not a good number. You don't want, you don't want LSU throwing the football that many times. That, when you see that kind of number, LSU's in trouble because they're not running the football. And, uh, you know, Max Johnson, I thought, did all he could. Especially, uh, and then, of course, they have that wide receiver, Boutte, number one. He is He's the deal. He is the real deal. I've been hearing about him all summer long, and they were not lying. That dude is special. But other than that, show me another skill player that, on, on LSU's uh, in their main on their roster and their main rotational players, show me another one that's going to scare a defensive coordinator this season. I, I I didn't see him Saturday night. I'm not saying he's not on the team, but I didn't see him Saturday night. I'm just going to be real about it. And so you have to wonder about LSU going forward. We'll talk a little bit more about that game uh, in my next segment. We'll talk some SEC talk. Um, we'll talk a little Ed Orgeron. I think that's going to be interesting going forward as well. So uh, LSU goes down to defeat to UCLA. My second, uh, my second 
storyline of the weekend. Obviously, the huge game there in Charlotte between Georgia and Clemson, the Bulldogs, showing their defense, man, pushing around the Clemson Tigers, pushing them around. I mean, that off that defensive line dominated Clemson's offensive line. Clemson, I mean, I think obviously part of it is Clemson is that is just that bad trying to block people. But the other part of it is Georgia's just that good. The blitzes, the uh, the the front seven was just ridiculous Saturday night. They gave uh, Clemson's quarterback DJ Uyunglele, they they gave him nothing, nothing at all. And Clemson's run game, we talked about LSU's run game. How about Clemson's run game? Two yards, two yards total rushing. It's not a good look, man. And uh, Clemson. I didn't see some of the players on the outside for them either. Uh, Georgia took them away, man. That Georgia looks really good defensively. Um, you wonder about Georgia's offense, though. They, only, they did not score a touchdown either. The only touchdown in that game was a pick six by Georgia. So you have to wonder about uh, JT Daniels going forward. I like Georgia's run game. I'm not sure about them throwing the football, though. We'll see how that rolls. I think, you know, Georgia, you know, I think you have to favor their schedule. Their, their schedule looks pretty good. I, I can't see them losing the game on, you know, from here on out. Maybe Florida, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was a good look for them defensively, but you have to wonder about them offensively as we go forward. Uh, my next uh, storyline, the Bama offense. Alabama, Bryce Young, really just not just their offense, the entire team, period. I mean, what can you say? It's just status quo. <laughs> I mean, what can you say about this football team, man? Bryce Young looked the part. I loved his patience in the pocket, out of the pocket, just being able to make plays uh, with his feet, uh, being able to extend plays, but also just, you know, pre his pre-snap, uh, the patience that he, uh, you know, getting the team uh, in the right formations, getting them into the, into the right plays. And then uh, Miami threw some blitzes at him. They threw some blitzes at him. They tried to confuse him. They would throw a blitz, and then they drop eight eight defenders and only rush three, tried to give some good different looks at him. Dude was just really patient. And I think that was the thing that really jumped out at me. Uh Bryce Young and actually he missed a couple a couple throws there early in that game. Uh, his stats would have even looked better. He ended up throwing four uh, four touchdowns and uh, throwing for three hundred forty four yards. Both of those are records for for uh, for a Bama freshman QB um, in their first start. Actually, he's a sophomore. I'm sorry, but in, in, anyway, it was his first start, and both of those were records. So that was really good to see from Bryce Young. Uh, you look at the run game, and I thought it was solid. Seeing Trey Sanders come back after he was in a really horrific car accident, I thought that was really good. Um, defensively, you look at the, the pass rush. I mean, uh, this up and down, they, they did lose Chris Allen, and then that could be a significant injury. He is one of their rushing ends, number four. Uh, that 
We'll see how that goes. Nick Saban calls it a significant injury, so they're worried that that might be a season-ending injury. Not really sure about that. So hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's something he comes back from, but we'll see. You look at the receivers. Jamison Williams coming over from Ohio State had a huge game, 94-yard touchdown. <laughs> I mean, the beat goes on. Uh, you look at the tight end. Latou had two touchdowns. Just up and down that lineup, this team just does it. And it doesn't matter who they put out there. It doesn't matter who they're playing. And they're, Alabama's now 15-0. and 15-0 and 0 in neutral site games here in the, uh, in the Nick Saban. Uh, I'm sorry. 15, they've won 15 straight in Atlanta. I'm sorry. They've won 11 straight neutral site games. Well, I'm sorry. No, let me let me take that back because I'm looking at my notes here. <laughs> In neutral site games, Alabama has outscored their opponents 425 to 141. 425 to 141, and we're not talking about you know Akron like Auburn played the other day. We'll talk about a little bit about Auburn in my SEC talk. Uh, we're not talking about any of those teams. We're not talking about the FCS team or whatever. We're talking about Michigan. We're talking about USC. We're talking about Clemson a couple of times. We're talking about Florida State. And, of course, the other day we were talking about Miami. So, yeah, Alabama continues to roll. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be – we'll see how things go. Maybe uh, two spots, two or three spots where I can see them losing. Maybe, you know, two weeks from now they go to Florida. That could be interesting. We'll see. Texas A&M game, obviously, and, of course, the Auburn game at the end of the season. We'll see if Alabama loses one of those games. Um, my fourth storyline from the weekend, the Texas Longhorns, Alabama's former offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, has the Longhorns off to a good start, beating Louisiana 38-13, to the Raging Cajuns. That is a good football team. So that is that is an impressive victory by Texas. Uh, Louisiana came into that game ranked uh, out of the Sun Belt, and right here we're this, on ball about the South. We're going to talk some Sun Belt football from time to time. Okay, uh, it won't be just SEC. We'll talk some Sun Belt. We'll talk some uh, uh, some American Conference. You know, Memphis and uh, Tulane and Houston and all those teams. We'll talk some ACC. We'll talk some Conference USA, UAB, and we'll talk. Uh, extensively, we'll, we'll, uh, the HBCUs will be featured here. We'll talk some HBCU games that went up, went down over the weekend in my segment, in my HBCU segment. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll spread it out. We won't just be SEC uh, here on this show. We'll talk about just about every, every any of the uh, Power Five or uh, group of five conferences and even some FCS that you can think of here in the southern part of the United States. So we yeah, we'll spread it around. So yes, Texas beating Louisiana I thought was very impressive with the way they did it. Uh, offensively they were very, they were obviously very uh potent, putting up thirty eight points. And uh, we'll see what that means going forward in the Big 12. Texas could be a player. We'll see uh, elsewhere in the Big 12, the Oklahoma Sooners did not have it so easily against Tulane. They jumped out. Uh, actually, Tulane jumped out to a 7 nothing lead in that game. But OU quickly erased that deficit and, and went out to a 37-14 lead. But they had to hold on 
at the end, they only win that game 40 to 35. So you have to wonder about Oklahoma defensively as we. And what else is new on that? <laughs> you know what I mean? What else is new on that part? We'll see how that goes. Uh, Ohio State had a big game the other night, uh, beating Minnesota. I thought their quarterback, their new quarterback, C.J. Stroud, looked pretty good at times. There were some times he looked shaky, but what do you expect? That was his first ever start, and it just happened to be on the road at Minnesota, which is a pretty good football team in their own right. So, But Ohio State looks the part. Maybe Penn State gives them some problems in the Big Ten. Penn State came away with a big win against Wisconsin at Wisconsin. That was a pretty good game, low-scoring game. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what, what happens in the Big Ten between those two schools. Uh, the game of the weekend, though, Florida State and Notre Dame. What a game that was last night. Notre Dame going up 38-20. to 20. We thought it, that game was pretty much done. And then Mackenzie Milton started working his magic. First of all, him, his just being on the field is a miracle from what we've heard. Uh, from the doctors that said that he would not play again. And for him to be out on the field and do, to do what he did and almost bring that team back. Actually, he did bring them back. They just didn't finish the deal in overtime. Uh, they missed, had the bad snap there. Um, and then, of course, missed the field goal. So that was you know one of those things that happens. Notre Dame kicks the field goal to win the game at the end there, winning the 41-38. Notre Dame, could they be a legit contender to get back in the playoff? We'll see. Not really sure about them. I can't really say that we saw anything definitive last night, but I tell you, that was really fantastic stuff last night. Seeing McKenzie Milton, even though they came up short, that was a really fantastic football game. And uh, who knows, maybe Mike Norvell has the Seminoles headed back in the right direction as well. At any rate, yes, a lot of good stuff over the weekend. We'll get into some of the bad because, unfortunately, some of the bad came in the in, uh, in the SEC. We'll talk about some of that when I come up with my SEC talk, which is the next segment. And I'll, right after I take a break, we're listening to Ball About South. South moves on the first episode uh, talking 
basically uh, going back over the college football weekend that we've uh, just seen. Actually, we do have one more game that comes up tonight. That is uh, Louisville and Ole Miss. That game goes on ESPN tonight. Looking forward to seeing the Rebels, Matt Corral, who's uh, looking at as being one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. I, in my coming into the season, I had him as the top quarterback, mainly because we wanted to see, uh, you know, a little bit more from guys like Bryce Young, of course. And, uh, you know, but right now I'd say Matt Corral is, is right up there. If not at the top, he's near the top. He's the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, so we'll get to see him tonight against Louisville. Uh, one other thing that we're going to do on this show uh, on a weekly basis, especially as we get into the NFL, we're going to have game balls. And uh, I'm going to kind of split them up. We're going to have a few of them, not just going to have one. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have one for the SEC kind of, I guess, you know, the best performer in the SEC every week. We're going to have one in the HBCU ranks, and we'll have one in the NFL. And uh, we'll, you know, kind of go from there. My HBCU, and we're going to get into some HBCU talk uh, in the next segment. My HBCU game ball goes out to Aquil Glass, the quarterback from Alabama A&M. If you haven't seen this dude play, uh, he's a big uh uh, quarterback, uh, tall, uh, has uh, good speed on him though. He's you know really good size. Uh, he can run it. He can uh, actually obviously has a really good arm. He threw for 426 yards in the uh, really huge A&M win over South Carolina State, 42-41. What a game that turned out to be. A&M's offense rocked and rolled last year. Uh, uh, well, 2019, and then they took a. Uh, they actually did play in the spring season, and actually the uh, A&M won the SWAC, and the offense was just unbelievable with Akil Glass leading the way. And actually, Glass is going to be an NFL prospect. He is a guy that you need to watch. If you have not watched Alabama A&M play, you need to put them on. Um, they're going to have some really big games coming up here later in the season. So you'll have your chance to look at Akil Glass, but at least for this week, Akil Glass with 426 yards, four touchdown passes, he gets the game ball, my HBCU game ball that is. Congratulations to him. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever going to know it or not, but uh, yeah, he, you could hear his name called a few more times before this season is over. But uh, yeah, really good performance by uh, Glass and the A&M Bulldogs. Uh, we'll see how far they go. Can they, um, can they do it again in the SWAC? Uh, I think you have to look at Alcorn State as being a threat in that league, uh, in the Eastern Division over there, and then the West Division. Prairie View A&M is another team I think you have to look at with a really good offense. Their new quarterback, Jawan Pass, he went for 354 yards in a huge win over Texas Southern. So Prairie View A&M I think is a team – they actually had the best offense in the SWAC in 2019, the highest scoring offense. Um, they took up where they left off from there. So, yeah, it's got a lot of interesting uh, games coming up in the SWAC. We're going to get into a little bit of those, that what we saw over the weekend in my next segment. But right now, we're going to go back into the SEC and, uh, you know, go back to look at some of the other teams. 
obviously we talked a little bit about UGA, Georgia, and Clemson. That was a really good football game, really a big-time defensive battle. Only 13 points scored, no touchdowns by the offense, only the one by uh, on that pick six by Georgia. Uh, we just have to wonder, again, what we're going to see from both of these teams going forward. Who who benefits uh, this we, we 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 wondered who could be the team out of those two that could afford to lose a game and then still make it back to the playoff. I think a lot of people would say Clemson would be that team because uh, they could you know they obviously have the schedule you know, that would go their way. So if they lost, obviously they could go they could win their next eleven games and be eleven and one, and then of course win the ACC title game. And then more than likely, maybe hope for some help somewhere, and they could probably get back into the top four. And then I guess then you look at a lot of other people would say Georgia because Georgia actually has some big games coming up, okay. And then of course they could play a team like Alabama in the SEC title game, which would obviously be a huge, uh, you know, huge step in the right direction for them. Yeah, so. There are a lot of questions coming out of that game. The one thing that that we, uh, I think, most people would agree on: both those teams are going to search, going to have to search for some more offense if they're going to really be a player um, and really have a chance to to win a national championship. I, I don't see either one of those offenses right now being good enough. It, 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 there's going to have to be some improvement. Uh, and as good as those defenses were. Uh, got to think that the offense has kind of helped them out a little bit in that. So we'll see how things go forward. Forward, And, um, yeah, looking definitely looking forward to that. Uh, looking at some of the other teams around the SEC, uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State, those are two teams that really had problems the other day. Arkansas uh, did come away with the victory. Both those teams did come away with the victory, of course, Mississippi State. They really had trouble with Louisiana Tech. That uh, Louisiana Tech team out of the out of Conference USA had Mississippi State down 34-14 at one point, but Mississippi State found a way. Will Rogers leading the way with his arm, uh, running that air raid offense with Mike Leach's. The Bulldogs were able to come back. To, I guess the Cowbills got to Louisiana Tech or something. They end up winning that game 35 to 34. Crazy game to say the least. Uh, you know, you know, you have to worry about Mississippi State defensively. From what I saw, uh, Louisiana Tech kind of went went up and down the field on the Bulldogs, and then obviously, who knows what to expect out of that offense? I mean, I just, I'm just not seeing that offense being uh, one that's going to work uh, full time. You know and be consistent in the SEC. I'm, I'm just not seeing it, but we'll see. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I, the thing is, I like Mike Leach as a coach overall, but I just don't think the SEC is, is <laughs> where he needs to be. That's just my opinion. We'll see how that goes forward. But, hey, they're 1-0. Arkansas is 1-0 after a tough start. Sam Pittman did, I thought, a really good job with the Razorbacks last season after Arkansas was just was just horrific the year before he got there with Chad Morris leading the way. Uh, I think I, th- I thought that Arkansas team was quite possibly the worst team I've ever seen in the SEC. And I've been watching SEC football a long time. So 
the improvement that I saw last season from Sam Pittman, uh, where he got to Arkansas last year, I thought was really big time. And uh, we'll see if they're, if they're able to continue. They have a huge game coming up this weekend with the Texas Longhorns coming to Fayetteville. I assume that game's being played in Fayetteville. I don't guess it's going to be played in Little Rock. We'll see. But nevertheless, Arkansas will be the home team. That's going to be a very interesting game. Obviously, we'll talk a lot about that game as we get toward next weekend. Uh, a couple other teams to talk about. Tennessee had a really good game the other night. Uh, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Milton, their new quarterback, transfer out of Michigan. Had some good looks, you know. Had you know, look looked okay, looked apart. I really liked him wearing the the number seven jersey. That brought back, you know, uh, memories. I'm sure of people that were around that that, that really were watching at that time. I was not quite here yet. <laughs> I mean, uh, to see Condridge Holloway uh, in action, he was the first ever SEC uh, black quarterback to start a game first black quarterback to ever start a game in the SEC. Uh, Condridge Holloway was really good. Uh, if you go back and see some of his highlights, man, that dude was doing things back then that uh, if he had come along now, he'd be looked at as probably being a, a huge NFL prospect. Uh, turns out he played in the CFL. It kind of got looked over. He would be looked at strongly right now if he were coming along in this day and age. Kind of like a uh, Guys, I think about back in the day that uh, could have been really big NFL players. Charlie Ward is one that comes to mind, and there there are a bunch of others. I can't. I'm not going to really get into that, but those two guys come to mind as black quarterbacks that got overlooked, that should have been in the NFL, and they unfortunately never did get a chance to go. But yeah, that was a good look with Joe Milton wearing that number seven jersey, and uh, Tennessee coming away with a big win. Uh, over Bowling Green on Thursday night. That was really good. Um, uh, I kind of teased at the start of the show talking about the teams that come in behind Alabama, Georgia, um, maybe A&M. Uh, A&M had a really good, had a kind of shaky win the other night. Uh, a lot of turnovers. King is uh, the quarterback, the new quarterback, number 13. Uh, I saw some really good stuff from him. Um, I can't really deny that. Uh, actually, uh, I can't remember his first name. I'm going back to look at my notes right quick. <laughs> Sorry about that. Haynes King. Uh, he kind of uh, one of those guys that loves to use his feet. Kind of, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, – Johnny Manziel in him just a little bit, kind of making plays that maybe aren't there or maybe trying a little bit, trying to do a little bit too much at times. He had a really, you know, pretty good game the other night against, uh, oh my goodness, hold on. He had a really good game last night uh, on Saturday night against Kent State, uh, 21 of 33, 292 yards, a couple of touchdowns, but he threw three picks. Now, I will say, a couple of those picks may not have been his fault, really. Um, they got tipped in the air. But the only thing about that, though, both, both of those interceptions were in a lot of traffic. This is a guy that's um, 
you know, in my view, from what I've seen so far, is a guy that's kind of, you know, thinks he can make all the throws, and, and it looks like he can, but he kind of, you know, kind of puts himself in harm's way with throwing in the traffic and things of that nature. So I think that's something we're going to have to watch with A&M being the number six team in the country. A lot of people, a lot of people think A&M is set to beat Alabama this year, and maybe they could be. Uh, they could be the representative of the West in Atlanta making their first trip to the SEC championship game. Turn the ball over three times like that against a team like Kent State is not going to get it done. We'll see how that, um, we'll see how things go uh, going forward. But, hey, still 41-10 to 10 win over Kent State is still pretty impressive. We'll give them credit for that. i tell you what. The one thing you, you you know that he has in his at his disposal is weapons, okay. And I'm telling you, A&M Spiller, the, uh, the running back is is uh, I think in my mind is the top running back in the SEC right now. A lot of people would say Tank Bigsby from Auburn, which I'm you can't make a you know I'm not gonna sit there and argue with you. Bigsby looks the part as well. Uh, for my money right now, I, I would say Isaiah Spiller is the top running back. That's just me. And then you look on the outside with their receivers. Uh, uh, Aeneas Smith, number zero, is, I mean, this dude is unbelievable as well. They, they have the weapons. The question about A&M is going to be defensively, and can they, uh, can they wipe these turnovers out? Can they, can they stop turning the football over? like they did the other night. So, again, really good win, but you know, a lot of work to be done for Jimbo Fisher's A&M Aggies. Um, we'll go forward. But again, like I said, with Alabama, obviously, you know, you, we can argue Alabama being the top team in the SEC. Uh, you go back and you look at Georgia, one of those two teams. Obviously, both those teams look like the top two teams in the, in the SEC right now. Then if you say, okay, A&M is, is your third team, who, who, you know, who kind of steps in at fourth? I guess right now you'd have to say Florida, okay? Um, might, you may would have said LSU before the other night. Now, is LSU one of those top five teams? Okay, who comes in between, I mean, behind those four, those top four teams? If it's Alabama, Georgia, A&M, Florida, who's going to be that fifth and sixth team to, uh, you know, in, in, that, represents the SEC. Uh, right now, I think it comes down to a few teams. I think you look at Auburn, I think they're a candidate where they could uh, ease back into that picture. Bo Nix has a new offensive coordinator, obviously a new head coach. Brian Harson from um, that's been at uh, Boise State the last few years. Mike Bobo is his offensive coordinator. They win that game 60-10 to 10 over Akron the other night. This total domination. Bo Nix looked a lot more comfortable from what I could tell. Uh, Bo Nix is the question mark on this football team. We know about Tank Bixby. Bixby's going to run the football well, and they should, they should have no problem running the football. Can Bo Nix stay away from big turnovers? Can he uh, be the leader that they need him to be on the field? And uh, I think you have to like what you saw the other night. Another team that I think could jump up and be that, you know, right behind that first level of teams or first and second level of teams, however you want to call it, it's the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think a lot of people may be surprised hearing that. 
but uh, the job Mark Stoops has done to me has been a pretty, pretty solid. And I think he's done a really good job in Lexington. That's just my opinion. The thing that they have missed, they've always had those good runners. Okay, they, you know, Rodriguez is back. Uh, Cavassier Smoke is back again this year. The thing that they've always missed, even uh, uh, Terry Wilson, even though he was a pretty good running, pretty good running quarterback, uh, his you know his passing left a little bit to be desired at times. But even though they had, you know, he makes some plays for them, the thing that they missed was a guy that could really throw the football downfield, and they may have that guy now. Will Levis had a really good game yesterday. I'm sorry, on Saturday. Um, throwing the deep ball, man. He, he has a couple weapons on the outside. Wondell Robinson, number one. He wears jersey number one. He's a uh, transfer from Nebraska. That is a guy to watch. He has a lot of speed on the outside. Kentucky, if they can throw the football, I'm telling you right now, they're going to beat someone that they're not supposed to beat. They could be um, that team right behind Georgia and Florida in the East. I, I really believe that. And that is a huge game coming up this weekend. Maybe besides Arkansas and Texas, the game of the week in the SEC is Missouri, Kentucky. Missouri at Kentucky, that game being played in Lexington. Obviously, we'll get a lot more into that game next um, when we do our preview show for next weekend. Kentucky, to me, is a dangerous football team. I just really believe that. And uh, the way Will Levis threw the football around the other day, if he can do that, Kentucky's going to wind up beating someone they're not supposed to beat. And they, I think they're going to be right there in the mix to be that fifth, sixth team behind the top four teams in this conference. I really believe that. I think right now they have a leg up along with Auburn uh, to do that. I really do. Um, so, yeah, really good good weekend as far as all of those teams. Um, Mississippi State, again, that was not a good look. They did come back and get the victory. Arkansas, again, not a good look. They did get the victory. Team with a really horrible look. Not a good look at all. The Vanderbilt Commodores losing the other day. I mean, uh, th- that was just horrible. Losing 23-3 to on their home field in front of a sparse crowd. Just not a good look, man. And I just hate it for Vanderbilt. The fans there that uh, have to kind of endure all of that every season, man. It, it's, 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 it's pretty rough, to say the least. And, uh, you know, it's not getting any better. I'm not sure what they can do to make it better. Uh, obviously, Derek Mason was fired last season, after last season. Now he's the defensive coordinator for Auburn. I think that's going to be a really good get for Auburn going forward. Auburn's defense is going to be, you know, they're going to be the business. There's no question about that. And, uh, you know, Again, it's just one of those things. If you're going to be a coach at Vanderbilt, I tell you, it's it's not – you're going to have a rough time. And uh, right now, Clark Lee, the new head coach, is finding that out. They lose to East Tennessee State 23-3 to at home the other night. That is not good at all. So, anyway, uh, we've gone uh, pretty much through the entire SEC. We've uh, – Talked a little about, kind of teased you a little bit on HBCUs. We're going to get into the HBCUs in my next segment. 
And, uh, well, one other team I did not mention was the Missouri Tigers. They did have a win over Central Michigan. I did mention them quickly uh, because of their matchup coming up against Kentucky. But, uh, yeah, Missouri had a, you know, a nice win. I think Missouri could be a team again. If they can find a way to win that game against Kentucky on Saturday, then maybe they are one of those candidates to be on that second level of teams in the SEC. We'll see how it works out. Uh, South Carolina, sorry, that's another game that I did not uh, speak of. They ended up beating Eastern Illinois 46 nothing, so they had no problem in that football game either. At any rate, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities. We'll also come back and talk just a little bit more about Ed Orgeron and the LSU Tigers. Uh, what's going to happen with that situation in Baton Rouge? We'll talk about all of that when about the South, uh, when ball about the South continues. final segment of uh, this first episode of Ball About the South. We're going to get into actually I gave out my HBCU game ball that went to Akil Glass, quarterback of Alabama A&M. Now I'm going to give out my SEC game ball before I get into some HBCU talk. Uh, Basically it came down to two players that I kind of really considered and at some point, as this podcast grows, I want this to be your feedback. We're going to make this your feedback, maybe mine as well, but we'll we'll kind of do it on Twitter or something like that, vote and vote for who uh, gets a game ball here on this podcast. For me, the SEC game ball came down to two guys. It came down to two guys. Will Levis, quarterback of Kentucky, and Bryce Young, the quarterback of Alabama. I'm going to go with Will Levis. I know people may kind of look at me kind of sideways about that one, seeing that Kentucky beat uh, Kentucky beat Louisiana Monroe and Alabama beat Miami. Okay, <laughs> I understand. I'm going to, you know, I can understand that. I'll tell you the reason why I'll give it to Will Levis. I think that Bryce Young is going to be 
you know, obviously is going to be in a lot more bigger games, I think, than Will Levis is going to be in. So I think Bryce Young is going to have plenty of opportunities to have this game ball uh, himself. And But the other reason, I think the main reason is because I think this is a huge story about Kentucky possibly having a real passing game. Now, we've got to see some consistency from this passing game. I'm not saying that this is going to be the, you know, this is it. This is what Kentucky's going to be. I'm not saying that at all. But if they can throw the ball consistently like this, I'm telling you right now, Kentucky's going to be, could be a factor in the Eastern Division and as far as scaring one of the top two teams like Florida or Georgia, would not be surprised if they beat one of them. Uh, act well, I'm, uh, let me put it like this. I, I would be a little bit surprised. I'm not going to say I would not be surprised, but I can see it happening. Okay? And that there's that three-week stretch in Kentucky's schedule, October 2nd, October 9th, and October 16th, Florida, LSU, Georgia. Florida, LSU at home, at Georgia. Obviously, they're more than likely not going to beat Georgia in Athens. Okay? So we'll strike that one. But those other two games, to me, are winnable. Florida, we'll see what we get. We're going to learn a lot more about Florida in two weeks when Alabama comes to the swamp. We saw what, what we saw of LSU the other night. If LSU does not look any better and Kentucky continues, if they can, uh, they can be versatile offensively, we know they can run the football. If they can throw it like that, they're going to give LSU problems. So, again, We'll see how that thing goes forward. I think Kentucky can win eight, nine games. Maybe, you know, maybe. Yeah, I think they can be a nine-win team. I don't think there's any question about that if they're able to at least get one of those three games that I just pointed out to you in October. So, yes, Will Levis, he gets my SEC game ball this week. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're going to go move forward. I want to quickly, since we're talking quarterbacks, just to really talk just a little bit of NFL before I get into my HBCU talk and kind of end the show. Uh, the Cam Newton situation with Mac Jones in New England. Cannot, see, cannot say that we saw – I don't think anyone can say that they saw that coming. Obviously, we all knew that Mac Jones was going to eventually be the starter. But for him to be the starter opening day, no one saw that happen. So, yes, that is very surprising. I think Mac Jones is going to be fine, though. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be fine right now. I'm not saying he's going to be fine this Sunday when they play Miami. I'm not saying he's going to be fine week six or week seven or week 18. But what I am saying, eventually, I think Mac Jones is going to be fine. I think he's underrated in a couple key areas. I think he is a little bit better with his feet than a lot of people give him credit for. No, he's not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> but he's not Russell Wilson. But he's not a statue either. And I think he has really good footwork in the pocket. And the other thing is I think he throws a little bit better than I think a lot of people think. So he has a little bit better arm. He throws a really good deep ball. So I think Mac Jones, you know, I think he saw, he saw some of his leadership ability with Alabama. Uh, this dude, to me, kind of has a little bit of that it factor about him. He stayed around at Alabama for three years and, and waited his turn. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Again, um, it's not going to be this season. New England's going to struggle. I cannot see them making the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Buffalo is going to be the team in the AFC East, we would think. But going forward, man, I think Mac Jones is going to be fine. Uh, 
talking quickly about Cam Newton, where he ends up. Who knows? We'll see, we have to see what happens with him. Hopefully, he'll land in a good spot. Reportedly, we're seeing that Cam is saying that he would be in the right situation. He'd be okay being the backup. You know, I don't know if he really means that. But we'll see. But hopefully, Cam Newton will land in a good spot for him and continue his career. Hopefully, we'll be able to see him quarterbacking a team uh, here in the, in the near future. So, best of luck to him, the former Auburn, Auburn and Florida quarterback. Uh, really wishing the best for him. Uh, let's move on to the HBCU talk right now. Yeah, so we had two really big games yesterday in the HBCU ranks. Uh, both of those games nationally televised. One game on NFL Network. The Black College Hall of Fame game had Grambling State beating Tennessee State 16-10, to 10, which was a really good football game. Kind of sloppy at times. Uh, obviously, not a lot of scoring, not a lot of points. The offenses looked uh, basically like they had been uh, on a long layoff, which obviously both of those have been. The defenses were definitely ahead of the offense. But uh, you know, still had good action, though, uh, really good action. And uh, I really like Grandman State's quarterback. He's, he's a guy that uh, obviously is a dual threat. And uh, I think he was the difference in that football game. Grambling winning that game 16-10 to 10 after being up 13-3. to 3, They were able to hold on. In the other game, FAMU against Jackson State, which is now actually a SWAC. Um, it's, a, it's a conference game. It's a divisional game. At the, well, it's not a divisional game. But it's a conference game. What a game that one was. 7-6. to six. Not a lot of offense, obviously, in that one either. A lot of, it was quite sloppy, as a matter of fact. A lot of turnovers, five fumbles in that game from Jackson State. They lost three of them, two lost fumbles from uh, FAMU. And I was really surprised to see that from Florida A&M. I, you see uh, the Rattlers have a lot of experience coming back, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have uh, a running back that transferred in from Grambling by the name of Bonnet. Um Really kind of surprising to see this team really kind of look so sloppy on on um, on offense yesterday. It was it was kind of surprising to me. Uh, Xavier Smith, number nineteen, uh, is their big receiver, their best receiver. He's one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the SWAC. And he was silenced yesterday by Jackson State coach Prime's defense. Uh, they they really came. They really answered the call big time. And uh, Jackson State got a huge victory. Uh, I think you look at uh, the Tigers offensively. Shadour Sanders ended up with 221 yards passing. I thought he did some good things. He looked, um, you know, he missed some throws as well. But I thought overall he had a really good game. I think there was a lot of potential for him going forward. Uh, looked at, I really was impressed by Jackson State's D-line. The defensive line kept um, the quarterbacks for, for FAMU under duress all game. They never could get anything kind of, you know, any kind of continuity going at all. And it showed their passing game was almost non-existent. So, and that's the thing that FAMU, uh, Willie Simmons, the head coach of FAMU, he is been notorious for having a good passing game. Big time stats from their receivers. 
good uh, good play from the quarterbacks. They got none of that yesterday. They got none of it, and Jackson State was able to take a, take advantage. They would just had just enough to win that game, seven to six. Again, it was a very sloppy game. Even the officiating was sloppy. There were some questionable calls in that game. I don't know, man. It rained right before kickoff. Maybe that had something to do with it. I'm sure, obviously, that had something to do with the ball conditions and everything. Um, you know, maybe those fumbles uh, had a lot to do with the being, the ball being wet and everything. But it didn't rain all game. It, it, it rained kind of like in the first quarter. And then after that, I think pretty much it was clear after that. So anyway, it was. I mean, it was. It was a good football game. Obviously, seven to six went right down to the wire. But uh, both those teams, if they want to compete in the SWAC, especially looking at FAMU, when you when you think about them trying to compete with a team like Alabama A and M, again, we named Akil Glass. I uh, gave him the game ball for the HBCU ranks this weekend. Uh, went over four hundred yards, four touchdown passes, and all that good stuff in A&M's victory over South Carolina State. But if uh, FAMU wants to compete, they're going to have to do a lot better than they did yesterday. Is, uh, yeah, the, the SWAC East is, is uh, you know, A&M, I think it's their, their conference. It's their division to lose. Uh, you look at the other side in the West, Arkansas Pine Bluff, who uh, that's the team that A&M beat in the spring for the SWAC championship. Arkansas Pine Bluff isn't going anywhere. We saw Prairie View A&M have a really good game. Had a big win, 40-17 to over Texas Southern the other day. Really liked their quarterback as well. Um, Javon Pass is his name. He went for 354 yards passing. Uh, had three touchdown passes. Uh, he's a guy that can use his legs. He can beat you either way. Dual threat guy. Really good size on him, 6'5", about 230-235. Prairie View is going to be a factor in the West. And uh, I think, you know, also you would think Alcorn State would be as well. Uh, it's a factor in this race as well. Uh, we saw them again last week uh, in that, uh, actually the first game of the, of the year in week zero, the MEAC SWAT Challenge. Alcorn State was able to win. Uh, oh, actually, no, they lost to North Carolina Central. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, North Carolina Central surprised the Braves last week with a really good showing. I don't think many people expected the Eagles out of the MEAC to win that football game, but they did 23-14. to um, It was kind of what was surprising about that game. Felix Harper is the quarterback for Alcorn State. He's the guy that got a lot of the accolades, and he just it really did not look good. Uh, they looked like a team, again, that had a long layoff, and Alcorn State was one of those teams that did not play in the spring. So you wonder just – the effects of not of those teams that de- decided not to play in the spring, what what kind of effect that's going to have on them early this season? It's going to probably take a minute for them to, you know, get things going to, in the right direction. And uh, maybe that's the case with Alcorn State, because obviously Alcorn State they have a lot of players back on in their own right, uh, very experienced on the offensive side of the ball. Again, Felix Harper, one of the top quarterbacks in HBCU football. Really didn't look good last week. Uh, again, North Carolina Central, that was a huge win, though. That was a huge win for the MEAC. Everyone if uh, that's kind of affiliated with the swag is saying, well, the MEAC is done. People in the MEAC are saying, not so fast. We're here to stay. We only have six teams. 
<laughs> six member institutions, but we're going to be fighting to the end. And uh, North Carolina Central showed that last week. Uh, so, yeah, so good stuff going on in HBC. We're going to keep you abreast of all of that as we go forward. I'm looking forward to a long season, man, of uh, HBCU, HBCU football. We'll see who are the two teams that ends up in Atlanta for the Celebration Bowl at the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have all of that right here on Ball About the South. So make sure that you turn, that you tune in, like or subscribe, and all of that good stuff. Let me go really quickly. I'm going to cover two more things before we close this show out. First thing, I'm going to talk about Ed Orgeron just really quick again. Talked about LSU and that loss to UCLA the other night. Really not a good look on either side of the ball for the Tigers. Uh, you have to wonder what that means for Ed Orgeron going forward. I think you really have to wonder about that. You know, is Ed Orgeron, is, I mean, could he lose his job if this thing keeps going? Uh, you look at, I put on on Twitter actually yesterday, you looked at the 15-0 and 0 season in 2019. I think all of us would agree that it was just one of those seasons that just kind of everything just kind of really worked out in LSU's favor. Uh, Dave Aranda running the defense. The defense didn't really play well early in the season, but they really came along later in the season. And, of course, Joe Brady, those guys running the offense. Joe Brady, I guess, kind of being called the passing game coordinator, as he was called at that time. LSU rocked and rolled uh, offensively with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and man, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and all of those dudes. And uh, it was just one of those things. LSU was one of the best teams we'd ever seen. There was no question about that. But in 2018, 2000, and then last season in the first game this year, Ed Orgeron is 15-9. and nine. Okay, so 15-0 in 2019, but the three years, the two seasons surrounding that and so far this season is 15-9, and nine, which uh, in, in most universities, that's not a bad record. <laughs> At LSU, that's not a good record. Now, I'm not saying, I think Ed Orgeron is, is still a pretty good coach. I, I'm not, will never say, sit here and, and, and say something stupid like Ed Orgeron is not a good coach. Ed Orgeron overall is a good football coach. You don't recruit that way do as well as he recruits. And then uh, he's gotten, I think, at times, he's had a really good staff that he's had working under him. You don't do those things and you're not be able to do, you know, not be able to, to, to coach pretty good. Uh, he's, I think he's a good motivator. I think he motivates that football team. But I think some of the end games that, some of the in-game decisions that he makes are not up to par. Obviously, in a game like Saturday night, when you're going, going up against a guy like Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly is the guy that's probably going to out-coach Ed Orgeron. And that was basically the thing that I remember saying when LSU made that hire, that, yeah, Ed Orgeron is going to be a, a step in the right direction, more than likely, from less miles and everything, but is it going to be the the hire that is going to get them through and really get them on and keep them on pace with Alabama. Is it going to keep them on pace with Georgia even right now? 
when you sit there and look at it, is it going to keep them on pace with all of the other teams on the national level? You talk about Oklahoma, you talk about Ohio State. And my answer to that at that time was no. And then, of course, he goes up and he wins a national championship and makes me kind of look bad there. <laughs> but now we're getting kind of getting back to seeing what I think a lot of people, including myself, were talking about when he got the job. So we just have to see what happens with this thing. There's There are reports out there, and, and I don't know how true they are, but just things I've been hearing is that LSU is prepared to make an offer, possibly, if this thing goes south. They're, they're, they are prepared to make an offer to Jimbo Fisher. Now, Jimbo Fisher just signed a huge contract over $9 million a year. I think it was for four years with Texas A&M just last week. <laughs> And now, obviously, this is the reason that they did it, because they know teams are going to be coming at Jimbo Fisher. Now, if you want my honest opinion on Jimbo Fisher, I'm not the biggest Jimbo Fisher guy. Obviously, the dude can coach. Okay, Obviously, he can coach offense. No no one is going to argue about that. No No one in their right mind is going to tell you that Jimbo Fisher, as far as coaching offense, uh, getting the best out of quarterbacks and all those things, no one's going to sit there in, in their right mind and tell you that he's not going to be able to do those things. The problem is there's a disconnect somewhere, in my opinion, at least there was at Florida State. And in my opinion, the reason why Florida State is not where they should be, even though, although they looked a lot better last night, the reason – the main reason that they're they're not where they are, where they should be, you know, at the top of the ACC, being talked about being at the top of the national standings, is because of what Jimbo Fisher did before he left Tallahassee. I mean, just be real, let's just be real about it. Offensive line issues, uh, disciplinary issues. We saw it even when they won the national championship with Jameis Winston. We I mean we saw all that. So. You know, again, I, I just, I'm not saying that Ed Orgeron should uh, be fired or anything like that. I, I I think actually completely the contrary. But if this thing continues to go south, obviously that talk is going to continue. That that talk is going to intensify and going to continue to intensify. And that seat that uh, Ed Orgeron sits in, it's going to get a little bit hotter. So we'll see if he can get that thing back in order in Baton Rouge. Speaking of Jameis Winston really quick, good to see him get that job, finally get the job there at New Orleans. Uh, (laughs) It it just was baffling to me, man. I I was just dumbfounded sitting here watching this thing unfold the last several weeks, even back to last season when Drew Brees got injured and it was Taysom Hill instead of Jameis Winston that back that ended up being the starting quarterback. It's, I mean, it's just mind blowing to sit there and think. Now that, that this is nothing against Taysom Hill. I mean, Taysom Hill is a good quarterback in his own right. He quarterbacked at BYU. Uh, obviously, I mean that's that's pretty good. Act, you know, it's pretty good, right? So don't get me wrong. Not this is nothing against Taysom Hill at all. But Jameis Winston should not be in any kind of quarterback battle with Taysom Hill. Okay? I mean, it just should not happen. And uh, that's, but that's what we've been looking at here throughout training camp. We looked at it at the end of last season. 
we looked at it in the off season, you know, everybody thinking, okay, if Drew Brees is retired, what's going to be the deal? Finally, Jameis Winston has uh, gotten the job. And I, from the what I've seen, I think he 100% deserves it. This guy has obviously been working things out, man. He has been working out. He has slimmed down. I have never, even back to seeing uh, Jameis Winston play at Hueytown High School here in Birmingham, right? well, right outside of Birmingham, I don't remember seeing Jameis Winston being that slim. So this dude has been working it out. I've been hearing things that he's talked about in the media as well. He's saying all the right things. Uh, he's a family man now. He's married. He has a couple of kids. It looks like he just has a different perspective on life, and uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Jameis, and I'm hopefully, hoping that we can get back to calling him famous Jameis and it not being a joke. <laughs> It not being a joke on Twitter and it being like, okay, yeah, he's famous Jameis because he's he's throwing the ball and he's doing what he needs to do. So that was good to see. I think New Orleans is going to surprise some people this season with Jameis Winston leading that team. Uh, I know about the Michael Thomas thing. Can they have another guy step up and kind of take his spot uh, in case he does not play this season? Marquez Callaway has looked good in training camp. He really had a good game there on national TV a couple weeks ago. I've got him on one of my fantasy teams. So I'm hoping Marquez Callaway can uh, do some things this season. So we'll see. Again, we're going to talk, get a lot deeper into the NFL. We're going to talk some NFC South, some AFC South here in my next episode. We're going to preview both of those divisions. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot about the Titans, the Falcons, and, uh, yeah, we're going to have a good time doing that. Uh, I'm going to end off with just a little quick note from the NBA. Uh, Rajon Rondo leaving Memphis going to uh, – they had a little trade go down between them and De- Detroit. And now uh, Rajon Rondo was uh, – bought that contract was bought out by the Pistons, and now he's back. He's back with the L.A. Lakers, which is uh, which is crazy to even think about, man. And then the Lakers added DeAndre Jordan as well. That's that's a subject for another time. But just thinking about all the moves that Memphis made here uh, in the last few weeks during free agency, I think a lot of those moves were made so they can secure cash to make sure that they keep Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant in the fold. They want to keep them in Memphis. So I think those they were good moves. Uh, you losing uh, Jonas Valanciunas is not a good thing, especially when you replace him with Stephen Adams. Now Stephen Adams is still a good rebounder, but he's a guy that you can kind of forget about guarding. You don't have to really guard him on the you know when when the uh, Memphis has has the basketball. That could be an issue, but uh, I get why they're doing it, and I think that's going to be a a good thing for Memphis going forward in the future. Uh, you look at the Pelicans, really good stuff from them as well. I know they lost Lonzo Ball, but I like them picking up Josh Hart to go along. And I think uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. is a guy that kind of gets looked over the guard from Alabama. I think he has a chance to be pretty good, uh, more of a scoring guard than a uh, pass first guard. He's more of a shooter, but uh, I think that's going to be a good thing. And, I think, again, them getting Valanchunas from Memphis to pair with Zion, I think that's going to be a good thing because both of those guys can kind of be interchangeable. Uh, Zion obviously is pretty good on the perimeter, obviously good in the paint. We can say the same thing for Valanchunas. So I think those guys can kind of get some high-low action going. 
I really like that move for the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans, when you when you put up Zion and Valentinus, and then you talk about Brandon Ingram, and as long as they can get that point guard spot settled, and I think Josh Hart was a, was a really good pickup, a good veteran leader in that locker room. I look for big things from New Orleans, man. I think they can finish it in the year, maybe in the top six for sure, and maybe avoid the play avoid the play in. And uh, who knows? Maybe even get a little higher. I, I, I'm really serious about that. Depending on the development of Zion, and um, you know if they can get that point guard spot settled. So we're gonna get into a lot more talk about the NBA and and the NFL in future broadcasts. But I'm just glad that you guys came along for the ride with me at least for one day. <laughs> Hopefully, you're going to like, subscribe to this podcast. It's called Ball About the South. I made it through the first one. We're going to try to make it through quite a few more. And uh going to have a lot of fun doing it. I really want you to uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Again, that's at Seawood on Sports. And uh, yeah, come check me out on there as well, man. Let me know what you liked about the program. Let me know what you dislike. That's what's going to keep me uh, going on this thing. And, and uh, hopefully I can improve and uh, make this the best show that it possibly can be. Anyway, I'm Kerry Wood. I'm out. I appreciate every, I appreciate you listening. Ball about the South. Catch me on the next one. Have a good one.